Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, March 1st, 2016, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-host this evening, Lavendar. Anastasia won't be with us this evening, and we send her our get well wishes and look forward to hearing the Starseed News next week. As the May Pleiadian lineup approaches, we only have a few spots left for the ninth Starseed Crystal Quest to Arkansas, May 15th through the 21st. This is a soul group reunion, and the group is identified by having at least one of these six star markings, either natal or progressed, 25, 26, or 27 degrees in Taurus, Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, Capricorn, and Cancer. If you feel the call of the crystals and aren't sure if you have the markings, I'll be happy to take a quick look at your charts and let you know. Just send me your complete birth info with the date, the exact time of birth, your place of birth, and your current location, and write to crystals, that's plural, crystals, at starseedhotline.com. We also have a weekend gathering in Arkansas coming up March 18th through the 20th, which is open to all star seeds and includes a crystal dig and the Quapaw Bathhouse. We have two spots available, so please write to Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-I-E, at starseedhotline.com for more details about the weekender. Our featured guest this evening is Debbie Tripp, an ET contactee and hypnotherapist specializing in emotional freedom technique, meditation, and shamanic practices. Debbie is about to release her first book called Happenings, One Ordinary Woman's Experience with Extraordinary Beings. Because of her profession, she's been able to help herself and others to deal with these close contact experiences. As a group facilitator for the Tennessee Starborn Support, she has several networks on Facebook aimed at helping starseeds cope with some of the challenges of having these experiences. And her website is debbytrip.com, and Debbie is spelled D-E-B-I, and then trip is T-R-I-P-P.com. But before we introduce Debbie, we'll have a special visitor stop by the show for a few minutes. Althea will be telling us about an exciting starseed adventure to Australia with a focus on the spiritual connections of the areas you'd be visiting. And we'd like to thank Tammy for hosting the switchboard this evening. If you'd like to chat with like-minded people, we have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com. And we appreciate Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download any show in our archives on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page using the cloud with an arrow icon. And we'd appreciate your support of our show, and you can do that by clicking follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for StarSeedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Remote healing sessions for people and pets are also available with Tammy. If you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And then if you want a Stage 2 interpretation of that solar return chart, please, please order it at least two or three months ahead of time to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours. So uh, first this evening, I would like to introduce my co-host, Lavendar. Hello, Lavendar. I'm here. Hello. Well, I think we have um, everybody set to go, so let me bring Althea on first. Okay. Hi, Althea. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. Hi, Ariel. Hi, Lavendar. Hey, girl. Well, Althea, I'm so happy to um, have this time to to talk with you about this Australian trip. And, of course, I just adore you so much. You've been to our Starseed Quest a couple of times on the weekends, and I just adore you and your work, and I really want to support your efforts in this Starseed work. So welcome, my dear. Thank you. You know, uh, the Starseed group, Tammy and Ariel, who I've yet to meet, but Lavendar, um, I hold you all in the highest, and I think everyone knows that. Um, I have to tell you, Starseed Australia, the words that I wrote um, truly had meaning, and at the time when Spirit was working with me to create this this trip, I couldn't understand why Australia. I was like, I've been traveling for Spirit for over a decade, and I was like, why not any of the places that I've gone to before? And they kept pointing to Australia, and it really comes down to the cosmology that the, the Aboriginal people, the oldest continuous living culture on that plant on the planet, have held within their storyline, which is that this is the cosmos. This is this is the this is where life began and it was seated by the stars it was seated by the seven seven stars the pleiadians and so i thought oh my gosh are are the is the pleiadians behind this trip and i can honestly say yes they are in a big way and they're and they're specific on what how they wanted this particular trip to unfold so we start in sydney we'll be meeting with a u4 sydney's ufo research group it's a I mean, they're adept. The people are adept. Mariana Flynn, the president, is um, she has not had contact experience like most people who um, run UFO groups. She's really holding point for everybody else, and especially the contactees, wanting their story to come out. So we'll be meeting with Mariana as well as Judy Carroll, who will be talking about her latest book, which will be published this year, Extraterrestrial Contact on Earth, A Lesson of History. And this will be a panel discussion where our Starseed delegation and Judy Carroll, myself, will have an opportunity to speak. And this is really to share information, to swap codes, to understand what's happening currently in this eternal now. I'm super excited about this. In fact, James Gillian was just there on February 6th and 7th um, presenting. So uh, it's going to be a really wonderful time. So was he at, was he at Ayers Rock? No, he he did go to Ayers Rock, um, but he also was speaking at U4, Sydney's UFO group. Okay, good. Yeah, now, are you going to video this? I have a feeling um, you oh ought gosh, to be. Oh, gosh, please, I mean. <laughs> I have a feeling that, that a video uh, should be on all the time during these experiences. 
Uh, it's, you know, I'm such a behind-the-scenes kind of girl that this is really ruffling my feathers to come out in this way. But if that happens, it won't be by me. I'll be shaking too much. Um, <laughs> from Sydney, we're moving on to Uluru. And Source was extremely adamant that this be three days at Uluru, the World Heritage Site, um, the seventh chakra that's aligned to the well, supposedly aligned to the um, song line. And here we'll be meeting with Mariana Flynn, the president, who will be coming out with her Australian delegation and will we'll grow our energies to work in the hold point for the planet to gather the wisdom that's there for us to receive and really to, again, exchange knowledge in a more intimate way with the ground. We'll be visiting Catatuta, which is another rock near Uluru, more feminine-based. Um, Uluru is more masculine-based. I'm working with the energies and integrating those before we leave. Um, and then from there, oh, my gosh, we head back to Sydney to make our way to the coast. And this is what I really wanted to share with the listening audience. I was guided in dream time specifically to head up to the coast. Um, they said there's an ET community. You're to go there. You're to spend time there through integration with the salt water, uh, with a reset, with an upward spiral. Um, this is a heart integration, moving all the wisdom that you've been learning and gathering along this trip, um, which is very mental as we are at Uluru and bringing it into the heart as we go forward. So when they pointed me to the Budai National Forest, Budai meaning heart, it all started unfolding. All of my contacts are Pleiadians there. All of them remember being Pleiadians or remember their ship crashing at this particular location. The rocks, the engravings all point to ships crashing, um, a Pleiadian ship crashing. And I just found it interesting that it just kept coming forward. Everything that was shown to me in my dream was showing up on the land print with the people who are holding the knowledge. So we'll be working with Nina Angelo, our storyteller, who was, um, all of her information came from a dark, Dark and Jung um, elder, Auntie Betty Spears. And so we'll be learning the Native culture, the Native understanding and stories about this particular sacred land. I'm excited about this. Um, there's a Palladian healing table that is only for women that we will be going up to. Um, I think James Gillian, there was a woman with James Gillian, and she went up to this healing table, immediately felt the ship, and they were working on some some scar areas that she had. So we'll have that opportunity as well, some sacred cave time. Again, this cave is only for women. The irony is there is separate places for men. Um, the rock that shows where the special place for men's healing to take place was blown up. So uh, not really sure what we'll do with our men, but this is what, <laughs> this is what um I've been guided to is take the women to the sacred cave and also to the Pleiadian healing table, which is a which is a rock that you lay on, as well as to look at the cave, um, the rocks that have been carved with ancient Proto-Egyptian hieroglyphs, and then even more ancient than that, the Aboriginal um, script that's on the rocks, pointing to the Pleiades, pointing to the cosmology of their creation story. Um, as I was booking this particular adventure in Gosford area, these cliffs are 
these uh, glyphs are called Gosford glyphs. Um, as I was booking this, Ancient Aliens was on site uh, taping an upcoming program. So it is truly, I don't know whose tail I'm chasing, but it's a good one. <laughs> okay. Well, you haven't given us the dates of when this is going to be. Yeah, I know. I wanted to get the energy out first. It's September 30th through October 11th. And again, this was specific dates in which I was guided to pick. We're going up against a time in which Australia, this is their busy season for travel. But these were the specific dates I was given for us to be there. Um, again, it comes down to alignment, alignment, alignment. What is your website? It's uh, theasheart.com, T-H-E-A-S-H-E-A-R-T.com. There is an itinerary for this um, broken down by day and gives you a little bit more detail. The cost is $31.50. I was nervous. I tried to bring it down as much as possible. In fact, when I was guided to spend three days in Uluru, you're a bit like a captured audience. It's it's like um, kind of entering Disneyland. Once you're in, you know, there's the goods and services are only within that area. And uh, But I trust that spirit is, you know, as always, right, and that this is, um, this is the trip to be had for those who want to re- reawaken their codes of remembering and reawaken the cosmology within them, as well as the ancient history that's on this planet that's surf- surfacing, and to go forward with it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, and how you came to be awakened at this time? Uh, Oh God! Um, you know, it, that's uh, I was born awakened, but I, I think I should probably point to 2014, anchored off the Bimini coastline. That's in the Bahamas, um, on a ship, and this is really what propelled me forward to step into my power and to to kind of come onto the playing field. It was summer equinox, and a Galactic Federation ship came up above, and um, a light beam came forward, and from there, I was shown that a particular star seed, and I have been given permission to share this, a particular star seed, star seed was planning on leaving the planet, and that's when I knew. It was, uh... <laughs> it's okay, honey. Just, it's fine. It's easy. Uh, excuse me. It touches my heart. Um. It's easy to get fragmented on this planet, and it's easy to lose your way. Um, and I think we need to hold point for our sisters and and our starseed brothers who are, um, excuse me, struggling with this adventure called life. And it, it, it slaps you around, it beats you up, it makes you question uh, yourself, your truth, your understanding, and... I recognize that um, I had to move forward. Well, the beautiful part about our, our starseed community is that all of us are in this together, and we go through different um, growing pains at different times. And with the the information that, that I have received from you over the last couple of years, I know you're ready. I know you're ready to step into your powerful time. I know that you're bringing galactic codes. You're a code talker. You're a code carrier. Um, you've you've been um, streamlined through so many different star systems. That girl, you're ready. 
and I don't want yeah. you to doubt that you're ready because you are. Uh, yeah, the doubt the doubt left. Um, it left. It left. And when I decided to start CETA, um Australia, it was full forward. I, I, there was no backing down. My 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 plane tickets are booked. You know, it's happening. Um, you know, I've been traveling, like I said, for over 12 years for Spirit, and they've called me. You know, weeks within weeks, you're going here, you're going there, and I and I and I did. And you know, a lot of it was to collect codes. A lot of it was to swap codes. You know, much of it was to remember and to awaken to my power. So the story is quite long. But each place that I've that I've gone to, I walked away remembering being there at a later or future time and really truly kind of awakening back to the star knowledge that's here on this planet and how it's meant to be carried and it is a specific way in which to be carried um it has to be in alignment going forward that's the part of the cycle we're in now we've we've played around with you know past cycles where we've destroyed planets and things like that and and you know and it, that's not the way it's going forward and i feel with the starseed groups that were that's out there um we need to to remember to close the door to the past um take the wisdom close the door close the fear door and truly hold each other up by walking forward in truth which is this planet was seated by our galactic brothers and sisters um some of us carry more memory as it being more than one tribe i i carry the memory of it being more than one tribe but we have to come into that memory and awaken it within ourselves so that we can hold the point and hold the truth and it doesn't really matter if any, anybody else gets it um i really don't care if people don't get it <laughs> you know i, I get it <laughs> and I that's I stand that when I talk to people it's like well it's okay you don't get it that's fine you know this is not at the point of evolution where you're at but I'm there well I think uh, that most of us agree with that that what you just said because you know you can put it out there and if people accept it fine if they don't moving right along now well, I, you know, I mean, we've had it easy. I mean, I think about the Aborigines who have carried this for hundreds of thousands of years, you know, and they, you know, they had to come in and get fragmented with their own knowledge to come back into wholeness. But we're looking at, you know, they carried the interconnectedness with all things and lived in oneness and lived in the in the ways. And as we're going forward, I mean, there isn't anyone else out there than our indigenous um, tribes who have been just beaten down you know we're we're living in air conditioning and you know goods and services and so when we carry it forward we have to carry it more with the memory of our brothers and sisters who really truly received the split right and right. you know we're here to carry the, that wholeness forward in a joyous way but also recognizing that our brothers and sisters who are out there suffering because you know they haven't made the connection yet that there are so many of us out there walking our talk um and standing in our truth you know they need to to also step up so how many can you take on this trip what is your um count well, originally when I was working with Spirit, I thought it would be three or four people just because of the amount, the cost, and, you know, the distance and the time away it requires to be there. Um, I still hold that point, uh, but I, I really don't know. I mean, it's up to Spirit to move everybody in the right direction. And, and I can tell you this, that having traveled sacred to sacred sites around the world, 
that it starts with a feeling. You get pulled, and you're going to be tested on that pull, that pulling. Um, I'm really not tested anymore, but in the beginning, I was. You know, was I going to put down money on a hope and a prayer or some feeling that I'm having inside my heart and stomach, you know, that's saying, no, you must be in New Zealand or you must be in Peru, you know. <laughs> so this is this is the call. When you hear it, um, it's you have to honor it because what it's doing for you is it's saying to you, your wisdom is here and you must come and collect it. You must do the walkabout. You must stand at the sacred site. And what happens is these sacred sites are along, um, they're along ley lines, and these ley lines are very powerful. So you can't get it from your house. You have to actually go out and be in that ley line. They're an upward spiral, and that spiral of energy comes to and through you, awakening your cellular co- codes. So it's not possible um, unless you're there fully on that energetic timeline or you know how to bring that timeline to you which is more advanced but we're really talking about this walkabout is to pull you out of your reality to help you reset a new reality yeah i'd like to at this time talk a little bit about Ayers rock from my perspective you know i was um um so selected to bring giza crystals to certain people when i I left Cairo, Egypt back in 1983, and a very phenomenal thing started happening. I started getting phone calls from people saying that they were awakened in the middle of the night, instructed to take these Giza crystals to Ayers Rock in Australia. And one phone call after another, and pretty soon there was over 100 people that were doing this. And I thought, my goodness, what in the world do they have planned that they want all these people to fly down there and plant these Giza crystals around Ayers Rock. And it's been kind of a a mystery to me for all these years. And a few years ago, um, there was a a person that went inside one of the pyramids in Egypt and found a symbol. And they said, oh, this symbol is the same symbol that's on the top of Ayers Rock. And it means time travel. And I thought, wow. Right. Yeah, so we're coming back again to the creation story where the Aborigines, before the plates were split, so eight eight continental splits, or you know, the, before the landmass was split, the Aborigines were seated by the Pleiadians. They were given their first script language, which is early kind of hieroglyphics that are all around Australia and on the rocks. So they um, worked, so when the, so when these um, the landmass split, part of their people went to Egypt, and and we know that Egyptians were dark-skinned people, and so we carry on with the lineage in Egypt. They also went to Americas, which would be our Native American people, and then of course you know elsewhere. So we're looking at when we go to the Gosford glyphs and carry on, we are looking at ancient. Egyptian glyphs. Now, there's been a lot, you know, the white people have come forward and say, no, no, it's, it's, you know, this isn't this, it's a hoax, and it's been scratched on by other people, whoever. It doesn't matter. What it, what it does point to is we're looking at the aboriginal story that in their story that's passed down word for word, memorized, line by line, no ands, ifs, or buts, they don't question it, they learn it, and it's passed down through memory, that they're talking not only of the 
glyphs that are there that are Egyptian, but they're talking about their roots before they went to Egypt. Wow. Yeah, so it's all interconnected, and that's one of the things that I've noticed when I'm traveling, and I'm, you know, I'm not sipping bubbly on the Malfi Coast. I'm in caves and, you know, looking at ancient scripts and things like this, and it's all the same. It's all pointing. They're all, you know, astronomical markers for the sky, at, for the night sky at the time, at certain events that are happening on the planet. It's all there. So Let me ask are, you, do you have mm-hmm. like a separate price for people that live in Australia that want to join you, or do they have to come uh, from long distance? Um, for people who are in Australia, they just need to pay their way. So um, like the Australian group that's meeting with us, they're just going to pay their own flight into Uluru and then pay for their own hotels at the various levels of accommodation that they can afford. So, yeah, we it's 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 a group that's growing. And it's a group of, I mean, really like-minded, on-point, holding the knowledge, very, very active group um, that's meeting with us. Good. So let's give your website again and give those dates and contact information. Do you want to give your email address to anyone? Sure. It's Thea, Thea'sHeart.com. It's www.thea'sheart.com. And again, it's September sure, 30th. You spell it for, I'm not sure, sure everybody heard what you You need to spell it so they won't make a mistake. T-H-E-A-S-H-E-A-R-T, Thea'sHeart.com, September 30th through October 11th. And um hope to see you there. Thank you for sharing this information with this girl. And and keep in touch with us and let us know what we can do to, to help you with this venture. Thank you, Lavendar. Thank you so much. I'll see you. We love Thanks. you. Thanks. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, that that was That's exciting. Very and exciting. I, I, I wish I could have, go on the trip. <laughs> makes me want to go. Have a, we have a lot of star seeds um, in Australia. Oh, it. So, yeah, we do. So um, I want to bring Debbie on right now, so just hang on a second. Let me get this microphone open. Hello, Debbie. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing great. We're so wonderfully happy to have you here. And oh, uh, thank Lavender, you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. And Lavender is going to kick it off. Okay. Um, with hey, Debbie. You. I just I love this thing that that I printed out that you allowed me to uh, print out called the Expenses Journal. It, it, this yes. is so clever. I wish I would have Thank thought of you. something like this years ago. So, hello, girl. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, Starborn support really got my attention. I loved the way you uh, presented that in your in your work. So talk to us a little bit about how you started with all of this and, and how you became a contactee. and Give us a little... Okay. Uh, uh, intro to your childhood and to your adult life. Okay. Well, um, I can tell you that it was probably around 2009 that I started having my awakening. And that consisted of odd things like seeing 1111, 333, different number sequences. That, you know, at the time I believe I was about 40. And I, I remember thinking, gosh, I've never seen anything like this in my whole life. And it was several times a day, uh, all the time. And 
I always thought I was pretty open-minded. I started out as a massage therapist, and I did that for 17 years until my body just really couldn't take it anymore. Um, And I started to do gentler therapies. I started adding uh, energy work, Reiki and healing touch and sound therapy and hypnotherapy, things were that were still beneficial to others but a little easier on my body. Um, and I, So with all of that said, you know, I thought I was pretty open-minded, but in all honesty, I cannot say that aliens were on my radar. Um, so I started seeing the numbers. I started having a lot of different synchronicities about UFOs and uh alien abduction, kind of presented in front of me. And I thought, wow, where, where is all that coming from? Um, and I kind of just brushed it aside. And then a couple of years later, it was in November of 2011, I had what I thought was a dream. And this dream was like your typical abduction scenario uh, where I was looking up at the bottom of the craft and this bright beam of light came down, and it started to suck me up into it. And I remember the sensation. It felt so strong, and I felt like I was just fighting it. Like I felt as if I was just really kicking and screaming, um, although I don't think I was. I think it just felt that way. And it felt similar to tornado dreams that I had had in the past where I could really feel the suction of the funnel pulling me up into the tornado, uh, which now I wonder if those were just screen memories. So um, I had woken up from this dream. So so as the the beam of light comes down and I'm fighting it, um, I hear this voice, and it's a male voice, and it said, now, Debbie, just relax. You know we need to do this. And after that, everything went black. Uh, I woke up. And I looked at the clock, and it was a little after 8 in the morning. And I was frantically looking around for my husband. I was very disoriented. And I called him on the phone, and I said, where are you? And he he said, I'm taking our daughter to school. And it hit me. I was like, okay, it's that time of the day, and I need to relax because this was just a dream. And a few days later, I got really sick. I ended up with a, a severe rash on my neck and a sty in my eye, and really just uh, sick. And, and I got so sick uh, that I went to the doctor a few days later. They thought it was strep throat, and it wasn't strep throat. And my my throat just was, it, it was like an allergic reaction almost. Um, so they called it tonsillitis. And that's probably the sickest I think my husband had ever seen me at the time in about 12 years there. So... Um, it, it it was still a dream to me, and I chalked it up to that. Um, fast forward two months to January, and this is what I call uh, the the big the real big experience, where um, I will often wake up around three thirty in the morning, and I was reading a book with my book light. And when I was finished, I went to put the book light away. And as I did that, I heard a noise in the house. And I heard it, our bedroom has several doors going into it. Um, And I heard it in our living room, and then I heard it in our kitchen. And I went to wake my husband up, 
like I normally would if I hear noises in the house in the middle of the night. And I could not move. And as I realized that, the whole room flooded with a blue light and I heard this roaring hum in my right ear. Uh, and I could hear, like, the shuffling of little feet, like, running around, like little children running around. And, I, and, so, and in that moment, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what happened before was not a dream. So as I'm laying there, all I could move was my eyeballs. And I struggled to look to the right where my husband was sleeping. And there I saw uh, what looked like your typical gray alien, except it was glowing this brilliant blue, like an electric blue, the kind of blue you'd see on your DVD player or an electronic device. It was, and I remember thinking, "Wow, you know that's brilliant." It just was. It was so odd and eye-catching. And then everything went black again. Now. When I woke up, quote, unquote, it was probably about an hour later. And, of course, you know, I, you would think I would have felt kind of rattled. And I tried to wake my husband up to tell him what had just happened. And neither one of us could really speak or get the words out. We were both very groggy, almost drugged. And I kind of describe it like that feeling that you get when you come out of anesthesia. Um, and we both fell back to sleep for another couple of hours. But the next day, uh, I I had what we call in the South a complete come apart, which, again, you know, my husband and I have been together a long time, and I'm, I'm pretty even keeled in my manners. And I was, I started to tell him what happened, and I started shaking and crying. And, um, you know, it was the, and I like to tell people it wasn't, that I was afraid of the being as much as the awestruckness of the experience. It was just a shock and awe kind of experience. And if it had been an angel or a ghost, you know, that kind of fits my paradigm of what I was brought up to believe and what I thought was so open-minded. <laughs> uh, and this really stressed me because it was clearly, uh, you know, an extraterrestrial that was there. Um, and my fear, I was so afraid, too, of so many things. Like, am I losing my mind? Um, is, my, is my family going to leave me because I've lost my mind? Or, you know, and I felt like this feeling that even if I died, I wouldn't be able to escape it. That it just was something that surpassed what just happened in my room. That it was there was no escaping whatever this energy is, whatever these beings are, wherever they come from. And it was it was truly such an epiphany moment. Um, and I had spoken with my parents about this, uh, and I spoke to them kind of between the November and the January incidents. And so, so that happened in January of 2012. Um, when I spoke to my mother, now they're in their 80s, and they really don't believe a lot of this stuff. But the three of us had a sighting when I was around 20, and we, uh, we had come home from an, an outing, and up in the sky above our home were two big balls of light just over the tree line. And all three of us saw them, and they were quiet, and they were just barely moving. 
And I went in and called the police to say, hey, has anyone else seen this? And it, they had said no. Um, and and I, all I remember after that is I think he just went into the house and kind of forgot about it. Um, but I, I told my mom what had happened. And she said, you know, around that same time, your, your dad had uh, gone and uh, walking the dog. He walked, they lived right around the corner from me. And so he was walking his dog and he had seen something. And my mom can't walk very well. And he actually went into the house and told her to, to come outside and he helped her outside. And so she also saw what were like three rings up in the sky and they looked like rings of fire. Um, and they, you know, again, they kind of looked and went back in the house. And this happened twice within a two-week period. And then a third time, he saw something and he came back in the house and he told her, I don't know what I just saw and I don't want to talk about it. So I thought that was really interesting that that happened around the same time that I had had the, the shift dream. And then probably a year later, a friend of mine who owns a metaphysical store had taken this picture, and, and the store is about maybe 10 miles away from my house. Um, and she, my, my dream happened on November the 3rd of 2011. She took this picture because there were weird lights in the sky, and she had one of those little old flip phones. And I said, well, when did you take that? She said, oh, gosh, it's been about, uh, you know, it's been a while, and I had to really kind of dig through her, to her through her phone to find out what the date was, and it was November 6th, three days after my dream. So here we had several things in the area that had happened around that same time. And that was just kind of confirmation for me that something's happening here, you know, and other people are seeing this as well. So in February, and, I, you know, I was trying to really – wrap my head around this um and of course you know fate led me to you <laughs> and you really helped me pass through that when i had my reading with you um and just explain things to me that just again weren't on my radar at the time um but in, in february of 2012 i had a dream one morning and in the dream and, and this is a, a pretty common dream from what i hear i dreamt we were moving into this home and there was, there was room after room after room. And in all these rooms, there were more people. And I had said to my husband, gosh, I guess we're going to be living with all these people. And I woke up, and it was around 7 in the morning, and I started to kind of just lay there and analyze the dream a little bit. And all of a sudden, I heard a male voice, a telepathic message, and it said to me, and I, and I had my phone by the bed, and I grabbed it. I knew to grab it and open my notepad, and I wrote it down. And it said, organized religion and dogma complicates the evolution of our soul. Pure love and simple heart truths gently moves us in our ascension process. I love that. And it, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, and I, oh, I got a chill just thinking about it. I mean, it just was, and I and I remember thinking, okay, now that, that what just happened here, I could have happen every day, <laughs> and it would just be lovely. Uh, it was a really different experience than the first two that were very frightening, you know, just came out of nowhere. Um, so did so, your husband and daughter, did, did they start having experiences too? 
Well, as you know, as the, the years have gone on, um, my daughter has had some experiences that, you know, could be experiences that seem like screen memories. Uh, she had seen three little stick figure beings uh, in her room one night, and she was, you know, afraid and. She actually has, she slept with us. She's now almost 13, but for many years she slept between me and my husband. And this was one of those nights where we were kind of trying to transition her. And it was interesting that she had described these little beings and had my husband come in and brought her back into the bed. Um, She had a dream about, I don't know if you're familiar with the Bratz dolls. They're kind of like Barbie dolls and they have the big eyes and they look very alien-like. She dreamt that she was crossing over this candy bridge and these Bratz dolls were following her over the bridge. And again, you know, that could have just been a Bratz doll's dream. But knowing what I know, I kind of, you know, pay a little extra attention to what. And then one night she had, again, what she calls a dream. And she was in a rounded room and this Albert Einstein character wheeled out this computer contraption that kind of looked like a pyramid. And she was so descript with what it looked like, with all the buttons and that it had a seat molded into it to sit on so she could easily work the buttons. And she said it was like one of those seats you'd see in the little rides at Chuck E. Cheese, you know, or some amusement parks where they're molded in. And she, he set a timer, and he told her she had to complete these tasks within a certain amount of time. And she was really nervous because she didn't think she would she would do it, and she could not do it. Um, she she did not do it in the right amount of time. And then she said, myself and my mother showed up in the doorway, and that we looked like zombies, and that we helped to take her home. And then she woke up. And so I later found out that this Albert Einstein thing isn't all that uncommon. That it's uh, and there's actually a picture floating around um, where he shows up, like he's kind of off to the side, uh, and it showed up in the online support group that I had been attending, um, which was called Starseed Awakening with Misha Johnston, and. It was really interesting. Uh, the girl sent me the link, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I've heard of this Albert Einstein guy." Um, so we don't know. We don't know what that was. But the way she described the roundedness of the room and the, it just sounded like a ship experience to me. And again, you know, who can say? Um, yeah, but it sounds so like it. Why don't you give a, a definition of a of a screen dream? Uh, well. You know, a screen memory would be something that kind of masks what really happened. Uh, and again, I would use the tornado, my tornado dreams. Uh, you know, in in 2011, I was, I I saw that dream as being sucked up in the, into a beam of light. Uh, in my tornado dreams, which were prior to that, I'd probably have them once or twice a year. Um, you know, that would be a screen memory, which you know, there's a lot of philosophies as to why we have a screen memory. One of those is we just mentally cannot handle what really happened. That's true. That's the big one. Yeah, that's the big one. 
Yeah, and uh, and so our own brain shuts it down so that we and it, and it and it picks something else from our memory that we are more familiar with. Uh, you know, I'm a lot more familiar with a tornado than I would be with uh, being sucked up into a beam of light. Um, and the other thing that people say is that it could be that the ETs are giving us the screen memory so that we are not traumatized or they just don't want us to know. Uh, so, and those are fine with me too. <laughs> but it's interesting. I heard you say recently that, you know, 2012, like, people really started waking up or remembering. You know, I like to think of it as, as a remembrance of who we really are at, at our soul's core. And it, it just is amazing how many people are coming out and telling their stories and uh, describing these things that a few years prior, you just, at least in, in my world, you, you didn't hear a whole lot of it. And when I was trying to grapple with this whole thing and figure it out, I didn't know where to turn. I mean, I, it just, I, you know, my first thought traditionally would be to call a psychotherapist and talk about it. <laughs> but you have that fear of, oh, my goodness, they're going to just think I'm crazy. Um, and it was kind of funny because when Audrey Hewins, who started Starborn Support, she lives in Maine, uh, she had contacted me. I had already started a little support group here because I just remember thinking nobody should have to go through this and not have anywhere to turn. Um, so locally I started a little group, and then Audrey called and said, would you be the Tennessee facilitator for Starborn Support? And that was a great honor, and I said, of course. you know." And we, So I kind of absorbed my little group into that Starborn family. Um, and then we also are on the list for MUFON and for free. Um, so it's kind of really blossomed into uh, a, a great local support group. We've got about 25 people. Uh, we meet once a month and we have a psychotherapist that works with us. And how that came about, and this is what's so funny, when she asked me to do this, she said, you know, at some point, you might want to add people to your team, especially a psychotherapist. And I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and I thought, okay, <laughs> like I'm going to find a psychotherapist here in the buckle of the Bible belt that believes in aliens, you know. And I thought, they're going to have to find me. I mean, that was my statement. And that's what I said to her, and that's what I said to my husband, that they're going to have to find me. And then, ironically enough, a few months later, there was, we have a, an alternative newspaper here called the Nashville Scene, and the cover story was about a UFO flap that had happened in the 1970s. And I read it, and I was really impressed with, with how it was written. It, it was not, it was just really open-minded and just well-written. And so well-written that I wrote a letter to the person that wrote it. And I sent an email, and I said, you know, great job. You know, that was really impressive. And told him that I led a little group here in Nashville. And I, I didn't know this, but they printed that letter in the Nashville scene. And this psychotherapist had seen it. And I, I'm a wedding officiant as well as a hypnotherapist. And uh, on my wedding website, I got a contact, you know, a contact me form sent to me from this guy about alien stuff. And I thought, what is that? Why is this coming through my wedding website? So I guess he had somehow found me through that. 
and and he said, I'm a psychotherapist, and I've always been interested in this field, and my wife is a contactee. Uh, and I thought, well, what do you know? He found me. I mean, it was just... <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was really just something and meant to be, and he's just just a wonderful couple. Uh, his name's Chris Hancock, and, yeah, he's just been great. So... Uh, so we now have a psychotherapist on our team and another hypnotherapist and then myself. I actually don't do regressive hypnosis on contactees because um, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with the Travis Walton story. Um, and one, the youngest guy that was with Travis was Steve Pierce, and he had shown me uh, one of his regressions with Yvonne Smith, and it was the longer version than, than what is out there on the Internet. And when I saw it, oh, I had such a reaction. It was such a trigger. And my own anxiety came up, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I cannot do this with contactees. So I'm really grateful we have um, another person, Olivia Bishop, who's on our team that does, she can do that part. And then I do the emotional freedom technique, which is wonderful, and and it can be successfully done over Skype. It's not something that's going to stir up memories. Uh, and a lot of you might have heard of it as the tapping technique where you tap on acupoint as we're saying phrases related to the issue, and it's wonderful for um, post-traumatic stress syndrome, which many contactees deal with, and they've done wonderful research with war veterans that have had EFT for their post-traumatic stress, Uh, so it's wonderful for anxiety or insomnia, um, it can be used for anything, really. But um, another thing I'd like to use it for is to help people who want to remember but they don't want to go through a regression. You know, I always tell people, be careful what you're looking for there because, you know, once it's there, uh, it's once you've brought that back to the surface, there it is. You know, there's a reason you shut it down. But if you're having, if you want to remember in a non-traumatic way or you just want to try to make sense of it or remove blockages for yourself so that you can meditate or journey and find out what's going on, uh, the EFT can help with that as well. So um, so that's kind of what we're doing down here in Tennessee. Um, Starborn Support also puts on a wonderful conference every August. Uh, it's either the last weekend of August or the first weekend of September. It's called Experience or Speak and it's in Portland, Maine, and it's, it's a different kind of UFO conference because it's all experiencers, and they get up and they tell their stories, and I spoke there in 2014, and it's just wonderful to, you know, and I'm sure you know this, getting together with the trips you do in the Crystal Quest, just being around others that, you know, have had these experiences, and, you know, I'm often the one telling my story, but I love listening to other people's stories too because we validate each other. You know, right. that's the thing. Let me, let me yeah. ask you, uh, Debbie, when you mm-hmm. have you noticed um, in these 25 uh, support groups that you say you have, mm-hmm. um, is there something now happening that's kind of tying everybody together as a soul group with these experiences? I mean, do they come back and start talking about similar? experiences like blue lights or golden orbs or is there a common theme is what I'm I guess I'm asking yeah I mean yeah I think not just in my own local group but just 
globally. Um, you, you had had Kathleen Martin and Denise Stoner on the show once, and they um, did a wonderful book uh, called the, the Abduction Files, I believe is what it's called. And, you know, they did a, a study on the similarities and the differences with experiencers. Um, and they, what, and my husband and I participated in that, and I did it as an experiencer, and she did it, and he did it as a non-experiencer. Um, and you do, you hear about the blue light a lot. Uh, when I hear about other people that have seen the, the blue, the glowing blue gray guys, you know, that, I, that fascinates me because, um, you know, that's something that's not quite as common, but clearly enough people are seeing them. Uh, you know, I've, I mean, I've heard that story several times uh, with that. Uh, you know, the buzz, you know, the, the sleep paralysis, the buzzing in the ears, uh, all, all of that. Um, the mar, you know, the marks on our bodies. You know, my daughter and husband have. One of the recurring things that we see is it looks like that three-fingered print on, like bruises, that they will wake up with, and and they're usually around the elbow or the shoulder area, which are called escort marks. And they call them that because, you know, if they're holding you as they're walking you somewhere or holding you down, it's in the spots where they would be doing that. Um, my daughter actually had, and, and this was really kind of alarming, she woke up one morning and across her chest, I think she was 10 at the time, across her chest and her waist, it looked like a band of hickeys. It wasn't a rash and it wasn't itchy, it wasn't raised, it looked like a big band of hickeys. And I called our doctor and she said, oh, bring her to the emergency room. And we brought her in there. And, of course, I'm Googling <laughs> everything under the sun, thinking, oh, gosh, it's some bad blood disease. You know, what on earth would make, and, of course, nothing on earth <laughs> would make her have these marks. Uh, and I found out later in my, so the doctors, they did not know what it was. They did a blood test. Two different doctors came in. They said we, we, her diagnosis was NOS, not otherwise specified, which a lot of contactees that end up going to the doctor for things, that ends up being their diagnosis because the doctors just don't know. And they had never seen anything like that. Um, and, they, of course, they said, come back and, you know, let us know if it doesn't get better. But it went away within a few days. Um, so those things just, you know, it's scary. And in my support group online, um, there's a wonderful artist. His name is David Chase, and he uh, illustrates, a, you know, all the different species. And he often would sit in in the group, and he told me that uh, at a MUFON meeting, someone had spoken about with, how with children, they don't often use paralysis with children, but they will strap them down. And I thought, well, that's so interesting because, the places where she had them would be right where you would put strap marks if you were strapping somebody to a gurney or a bed. Um, So she had no memory of anything, but the the marks were very clear. And then I have woken up two or three times now with that around my chest area, uh, mostly on the sides. So, and and I had talked with Kathy Martin about it and and she had, had heard of that. So that, you know, again, I thought that was kind of odd, but, you know, several people have reported those kind of marks. And we have, the, you know, the triangle marks and 
Uh, we've had raised triangle marks and pinprick tri- triangle marks, and all three of us have had that happen. So, so those are a lot of commonalities. The, you know, the implants. Um, I had had one behind my ear, which again, you, you know, that's a pretty common place. And I think I want to say it was on your show. I had heard that if you ask to have it removed, they'll remove it. And I had had it for about eight months, and. I decided to do a meditation and asked to have it removed. Say it was gone. But since I have kind of like a BB in my wrist, which could just be a cyst, um, but I also have on my sh- under my shoulder blade, it is not a place I can reach myself, uh, it will buzz and vibrate every once in a while. And sometimes I'll have it a lot in a week, and then sometimes it will be weeks before I feel it again. Um, it's unlike anything I have ever felt. Uh, I do have some neurological issues from a neck injury, and you know my neurologist does not think it's related to that. It's, it kind of just is. And, and people will say, "Well, hold your cell phone up to it, uh, and it will it'll buzz." But it's not a place I can reach. And by the time <laughs> I could tell my husband or daughter to try to do it, it's it's over. Um, so, so there's you know those kind of uh, commonalities too with with the implants, which you know again some people want them removed, some people want to keep them. I think it just depends on your experience and you know what you feel. Um, I kind of like having the one in my shoulder blade. It, it's almost like a reminder every time it goes off. I just kind of try to sit, and it's like I still see the numbers. I still see the eleven, eleven, the three thirty threes, and the four forty fours, and I kind of just breathe. Uh, because I I feel like something is happening there on some level and just try to be in that moment and absorb whatever that might be. Do you find within the group of these 25 people that that they have a a common goal now to do something together? Is there something starting to form like that? Well, we really just want to drink coffee (laughs) or tea. (laughs) That's kind of our common goal. But... um, you know, I, I think just being we haven't discussed a common goal. I think we like being with each other. Uh, the the 25 people, and this is on our Facebook group, but not all 25 people are there at, at the meetings. Usually it's anywhere from 6 to 12. And, you know, we have a few regulars, and then sometimes we have newer people that kind of drift in and out. Some of those folks that are on the Facebook group live far away, and they don't get to come. So we don't, unfortunately, get to interact with them very much. Um, but we, there's, there was another group down in uh, the Franklin area that Sandy Nichols had run, and Brett Oldham, who I think you've also had on your show. Um, you know, we all live here in the same area. So both of our groups have kind of, you know, they're all part of that 25 too. And so they've kind of been doing their thing a while, and we've been doing our thing a while. And um, I do think that a lot of us are drawn to uh, meditation more so than before our stuff started happening. Uh, shamanic practices. Uh, this month's meeting, we have Brent Rains coming in. He's bringing his Peruvian whistles, and he's going to talk about shamanism in relationship to the alien abduction phenomenon and you know that that is a common and that's a commonality again that I see not just in our group 
but other friends of mine around the globe that are being drawn into shamanic practices because it's a really different way to connect with other realms. So I, I would say that that's kind of a the meditation and the in the shamanic work has kind of been a commonality. And I do lead a meditation group and only a couple of the people from that group come. Um but we we do have um someone here, Hector Justino, who's going to be doing kind of a remote viewing experiment with us. He wants to see if we because his theory is that we are remote viewing ships and ETs, that the experiences are being remote viewed. So we're gonna we're gonna all get together uh, and do that in a couple of months and see how so, that little experiment goes. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your experiencers toolbox flow chart. Okay, well, so when I did the presentation up in Maine a couple of years ago. Um, I realized, and again, you know, you've heard the phrase, the cobbler's son has no shoes. (laughs) It took me a good while to realize that with all of my stress and anxiety and questioning over what was going on with me, that I had at my disposal all of these wonderful tools that I have used for years with other people for other things, and I wasn't utilizing them myself. So... I decided to make, you know, just a list uh, on one of my PowerPoint slides for the presentation of all these different techniques that could be utilized. And some of them are, you know, you might need to, like if you wanted to go to a hypnotherapist or if you wanted to see a psychotherapist, you'd need to make an appointment. And that takes a little time. But there were a lot of other things that people could do right away to help themselves. So, that list kind of became the flow chart. Uh, and I had my husband draw this neat little treasure chest in the middle with it open. And it's got all these little arms going off of it of different things, such as journaling and uh, learning to channel through doing art or music uh, or doing writing symbols. A lot of us are writing symbols, which we call star writing. And, of course, people are speaking light languages. Um chanting mantras, learning to use sound frequencies, uh, solfeggio tones and binaural beats and singing bowls and vocal toning and drumming. All of those things can alter your consciousness to try to, I, I always say, meet them on your own terms. Because so often these things kind of happen to us, like it kind of comes from out of left field, Right and it's a surprise. And I remember thinking, gosh, I just want to meet them on my own terms. I want to be able to communicate or receive messages on my own terms. And so I I always say meditation makes for a good visitation. When I'm really in a very good place meditation-wise, my visits or experiences are much more positive and I can get through them better. Um, so things like that. And then there's other things on, on the toolbox flowchart too, such as having a salt lamp in your room that gives your room a little bit of light because I frankly have become afraid of the dark. I used to need my room pitch dark. And I remember the first few nights after the experience with the blue guy, I really needed 
the the bedside light on, like, you know, the actual big light as opposed to just some little light. And then I graduated to a salt lamp. Um, Changing your room around, that shifts the energy uh, a lot, just changing it up so that you maybe can sleep a little better and maybe it'll, you know, a lot of us have our experiences in our room. Uh, So it just makes for a different atmosphere. In my situation, we couldn't really change the room around because of where our cable TV and everything was. So my husband and I switched sides of the bed. And that was amazing. Like, it's such a simple little thing. And it really just helped me as far as sleeping. And then, of course, learning to do energy work on yourself, learning to work with crystals, uh, learning how to lucid dream and control your dream state. Just so many of these things. Um, Sacred plant medicine. And by that, I mean two different things. Um, So many herbs can help with our dream state. I often will burn mugwort in my room for dreaming. Uh, There's a lot of different dream tea blends out there that are already blended for you to help help your dream state. Um, And then also entheogens. you know, in shamanic cultures, very often they are doing things like ayahuasca or psilocybin or 5-MeO-DMT, and those things, which I've not tried those yet, and honestly, I, I really, I would love to see how that, there are so many wonderful stories with that, and they're using those in healing people that have drug addictions, not in this country, obviously, because our country is so bent on letting us not expand our consciousness. All of this stuff is illegal because they don't want us to be awake, just like why there's fluoride in our water. You know, it calcifies our pineal gland. So, you know, things like that, uh, I think, they're just tools. They're they're just part of... I, I made the chart so that people like myself who really couldn't think straight... <laughs> um, you can just hang it up somewhere. You can print. It's, it's free. There's a free download on my website for the toolbox, and you can print it out and hang it up someplace. And if you have a moment of, gosh, I really need something, uh, you know, you can look at it. And it, of course, not everything can fit on there, but you know, I think it's a good sampling to get you started. Well, I downloaded your your journal, and I just love it. Can they download oh, the you. journal off your website? Yes, um, the journal um, is also on the website. It's a little bit lower, but you'll see the Experiencers Toolbox, the free download up there, and then the journal. Um, I, I do have to, unfortunately, charge money for the journal because the company that gives you the download charges me a lot. So, <laughs> so, it, so there is a, a small fee for that. But it's a 33-page journal that you can print off. It'll send you the download link right away, and it's only good, I think, for a few days so you get it, you know, downloaded immediately. Uh, and print it off, and it's in full color, and it was made to be a little bit whimsical. Uh, it was made to be safe feeling, uh, and, it, and I would say it's oversimplified. I mean, it is a very oversimplified journal. And it has, like, a, a sheet will say, what was my best experience? And there'll be you know several lines for you to write out your best experience and what was good about it and what emotions would you connect to that. And then there's a page for what was my worst experience. Um, 
you know, what are the beings that I've seen? You know, how has this changed my paradigm? What kind of marks or implants have I had? Uh, you know, there's a lot of prompts in the journal. It's 33 pages, and some of the pages have more than one prompt on it. And some of them we won't relate to at all. And I say just leave it blank and move on to something that you do remember because it's so important to document it. It's such a therapeutic tool to journal. And I myself, I was not a good journal, journaler before this happened. And, and I, now I have a special little book I keep by the bed and I, I write everything in it. Um, but I have so many friends, including people in our group, that keep saying, I'm going to write it down, I'm going to write it down, and they never write it down. So this is just a nice, easy way to to get going on journaling. And, you know, it's going to be therapeutic for you if you do decide to join a support group or get any kind of therapy or see somebody like me for EFT. You're going to refer back to that journal. That is something you'll want to have handy for any of those things that you may try. I and think the other thing cool. is, I, I printed Thank it out you. and I love it. And I'm going to take it with me to Arkansas and I'm going to show it to Tammy. Oh. And we're going oh, to do something you. with it, but I don't know what yet. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Well, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, it, it just, you know, I had seen other things. I had seen a tarot journal that was done like this. And I thought, gosh, you know, it was like a, a, a ding, ding, ding moment of, okay, we need one of those for experiencers to help jog their memory, to help remember things, uh, you know, the high points of, of what they've seen. There's a place in the back that has a few pages of blank notes. And then at the very end of it is a copy of the toolbox. It's a full-color copy, and you can either leave it in there or you can hang it on your wall. If you If you print it off and you take it to, say, Staples or Office Depot, they'll bind it in a nice little plastic cover for about $4. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to do, yeah. Yeah. So how so, can people get in contact with you, Debbie? Well, my website is www.debbie.com, and it's D-E-B-I-T-R-I-P-P. And then on Facebook, my, my personal page is under Debbie Young Trip. I have the contactee EFT page. We have the symbols and star writing page, which it's it's a group, and it's it's a wonderful group. I, I mean, we have over 500 members in that group, and the, the things they share, and some of the artists in the group will take their symbols that they've seen, and they will create this amazing art with them. Um, and I've never had an altercation in that group. Everybody is so polite and supportive. It's, we, I've been really lucky with that group. So... Um, there's the symbols and star writing. There's the sound experiences group, which has to do with, you know, different ways sound affects you and what kind of experiences that you have. And then the newest group I have on there is the Starseed Outreach group, which is just a place for people like that are in your audience that are starseeds, that are waking up, that, you know, just might want to hear other people tell their little crazy stories too and <laughs> support each other. If they're doing something, if they if they have a mission that they're on to help other people, they can share what they're doing there. So it's it's just a safe place to to, to meet and start a conversation. 
Right. You know, we have our, our weekend quest and then our, our week-long quest, but that's what we do on the first night when everybody comes, is everybody mm-hmm. the time to introduce themselves and to be able to share their experiences. That You know, they, they sit home alone with, with what's happened to them, and finally they get to be with people that have had experiences just like they've had, and somehow mm-hmm. they they can relax and go, oh, I'm not so alone with this. That's a really yeah. big thing is not being alone with this um, uh, happenings of ET exploration. It can mm-hmm. really, you know, there were times when I, I thought I was losing my mind and yeah. bipolar and <laughs> schizophrenic, and I know you've been there too. And that's mm-hmm. part of it. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, okay, I'm having this episode now, and it's okay because I'll get through it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and, like, you even go through things, because I was, you know, I think I was around 40 when all of this started happening, and uh, well, I was, when the awakening started, and then it was, you know, a little, a few years later, and I thought, well, well gosh, is it hormones? Like, are hormones kind of making me have these crazy visions and experiences? I mean, you really go through the gamut until, and, and you know, I doubt myself every day. And, and I, I got an email just recently from somebody saying, you know, there's just days I don't believe it. And, and you know, I, I get that. You know, there's days that my logical brain says, this is just ridiculous. You know, <laughs> it's just crazy. But then you then you come back around, and it's a cycle. And, I, I mean, I cycle through it often where I'm like, this is my truth. You know, this truly is something. We are, you know, it, it, we are remembering whether they're allowing us to remember, whether something in our soul contract is allowing us to remember, you know, it's it's the time, it's happening, and, and we do need to be there for each other because it's not easy at all. I mean, it's tough. I know. I'm so glad that you were able to come on the show tonight. Would you be able to take some questions if anybody has, if, it, if there's an experiencer out there that would like to talk to you, are you willing to talk to them for a few minutes? Oh, sure, absolutely. So, Ariel, are you there? So, yes. Debbie, thank you so much, and we'll be talking later. I, oh, I'm thank so you, proud Lavendar. of the that, that that you're doing, I'm so proud that Aww. you have decided to step out there and, and, and take what you know and share it with others. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you so much. I love you very much. You too, honey. Back to you, Ariel. Okay, well, at this time, if anyone listening um, has a question or comment for Debbie, if you are already on the switchboard, then all you need to do is press 1 so that we know you want to come on the air. And if you're not on the switchboard, if you're listening on the computer, then you'll need to dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, then press 1. And um, while we are waiting to see if anyone has any questions. I had a, a, a question myself. Okay. After, after you went through all of these things, did you notice um, that physically maybe um, like some type of food that you've always enjoyed and now you can't eat it anymore or certain things that never bothered you before and now they do? Um, have you noticed any physical kind of manifestations of change uh well yes um and it's funny when i was pregnant with my daughter i was craving healthy food like you know i had always heard about people craving kind of weird things i was craving all these fruits and vegetables all through my pregnancy and i was so thankful 
Um, and I had been a vegetarian uh, up until recently. I did eat chicken while I was pregnant because I felt like I needed something, you know, from that. Uh, I at, when, when I was in the throes of it, there was a lot of stuff really close together. I, again, was going through the same cravings of craving really healthy food. And I had brought that up in the online support group. And sure enough, a, a lot of people, when they are having a lot of experiences, are start, they're just craving healthy things. And it's not just choosing to eat healthy. It's actually craving those healthy things. Um, now, I will say the last two years, I've had not so profound experiences, but I've also been sick with chronic mono. And in its active mono, and it's been, and I get tested every few months, and it's still in the active phase, which is kind of weird because normally it lasts about six weeks, and then it just settles into your Epstein Barr virus thing showing up in the blood test. But it's showing active mono, and so many other. There's two other girls in our group that have Epstein Barr. I don't know if they're active mono or not. Um, several of us have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So that's been new for me uh, in the last two years. And because of that, I have started eating uh, a fish and fowl again because that I've just been doing a lot of research and it's supposed to really help support uh, the different things. You know, I'm trying not to eat wheat or soy or corn, but those are kind of choices. But it's almost as if whatever's going on in my body is kind of forcing me to make those choices. So... You know, you either hear, it seems, of experiencers being super, super healthy or really having some autoimmune challenges. So many people I know are having these autoimmune challenges, and that's affecting their food and what they're eating. So yeah, yeah, because I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would seem to me that because there are certain foods that, um, you know, everybody loves, but... No one wants to admit that they eat it because, you mm-hmm. know, like, well, like, like pizza. I mean, gosh, I don't know anybody that doesn't yeah. like pizza. But, you know, a lot of people that just like, yeah, like myself. And it's like, ah, I love it, but I just, I can't eat it, number one. I, I always feel terrible after I do. And, right, um, yeah. And there's just, you know, there was a time in my life where I could get away with it, and now I just can't. So yeah. I, I think it has something to do with either the, the the processing, the chemicals, the density, mm-hmm. the, the lack yes. of nutrients, you know, the, that kind of, there's a lot of food that falls into that kind of useless uh, category. And uh, um, and I, I think that as people evolve and, and go up higher in frequency, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, basically the root of everything we're talking about is when your frequency starts to ascend, um, there's certain things that, that you can't, do like you used to do because your body mm-hmm. just can't it can't associate assimilate it and um right I was I was uh in a in a waiting room looking at this magazine and it was a healthy kind of outlook magazine and I read something that has stuck with me and it says if it comes through the window of your car it's not food <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm going to be out driving around doing errands. And it's like, geez, I'm kind of hungry. 
And I'm thinking, well, I'll just go through and get something. And I'm like, no, if it comes through your window, it's not food. So I just can't yep. do it. Um, I know. Well, and, and I'm the same way. And I started, uh, like, I'll pack a kind bar and an apple in my purse. And because if I'm out, I really don't want to be going through any kind of a drive through I don't want to be eating fast food. And, you know, we are not assimilating. So many of us are deficient with the vitamin D. I was talking to another experiencer today about that, that, you know, we're not absorbing our vitamin D or zinc. And so many, and of course, our soil is so depleted anyway. I mean, it's really an epidemic with the vitamin D. Um, and so, like, I've, I'll drink clay, like bentonite clay. I'll put, like, a teaspoon in water at night, and it's it's not real pleasant. Um, and I'll sometimes take Ethereum Gold. I had heard from Nancy Redstar that that combination of taking the gold with the clay helps to cleanse that pineal gland. Plus, there's like 78, you know, trace minerals in that clay that we aren't getting in our normal food from the soil. So the minerals are so important, and you're always talking about silica, you know, and that's in the clay. So, you know, lots of good stuff there. Simple little thing you can do um, is, is the clay, the clay drink. And, of course, bathing in clay. Sometimes I'll put a half a cup of clay and a half a cup of Epsom salts in a bath, and that really helps to just clear things and absorb things through your skin. It's a mess in the bath afterwards, though. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> But I mean, you you do a lot of um, work with with the with the toolbox and you know EFT and shamanic practices, and mm-hmm. those are um, non physical. I mean, substantially right. non physical. And I think right. that it's yeah. really yeah, it's really important also because as your frequency goes up, um, you know, you still have a three D body, and mm-hmm. and you need. To help that along because I think a lot of us are are kind of ingrained in what we go by at the store and you know the body's needs can can change when the mm-hmm. when the soul's frequency goes up and there's certain things that um that actually would work against you you know sugar and um as you mentioned yeah. fluoride sugar's the worst yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, so yeah. Um, bottom line, don't anybody drink tap water. <laughs> and, uh, right. Um, you know, I mean, I don't even like bathing in it, but, mm. you know. There's, yeah, there's, that's, yeah, that's true. We don't even think, still, a lot of people uh, don't even think about that. Yeah, or for drinking and cooking. I mean, besides tap water having fluoride, it's got chlorine, and mm-hmm. and, and neither one of those are, are, are very good for anybody. Right. So, um, well, it, it, I don't have anybody coming in with questions here, so I think you covered your material really well. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I was, it was such a pleasure to be on. I just love all of you so much. And in my, in my book that's coming out, Happenings, I have a whole chapter about your show <laughs> and Lavendar and how helpful that was and, and just enlightening, you know, because, again, I kind of came in with nothing. And uh, so thank you all for what you do and your place in all of this this craziness <laughs> and well, blessing this. You know, it's a, it's, it's a privilege for us to be of service, and 
um, and it all it all tracks back to Lavendar and you know 30 years of gathering all of this and laying the groundwork, waiting for the mm-hmm. time when she come out. And uh, so everything that we do, um, we owe to Lavendar. So yes. <laughs> I'm so yeah. glad that you wrote about her in your book. And it's called Happenings, One Ordinary Woman's Experience with Extraordinary Beings. And mm-hmm. please you know, let us know when it comes out, and uh, we'll make sure to, to put an announcement on the show that, it's hot off the presses. Do you have a, a projected um, release date? Well, my plan was to finish it up this winter, but we ended up uh, buying it. We're right now in the process of we just bought a house and we're, we're moving and closing in a few weeks, and so and I've got taxes to do. So I thought, well, it's going to probably be late spring before I finish it. And then we have the whole you know, editing process and publishing process, and it takes time. I, I would hope by late summer that would be wonderful. Um, it, it's been also difficult these two years of, of having the mono and you know, just you know, having energy to do what I've got to do for my real life, and then to have the mental energy to sit down and write has been difficult. So that's been a hindrance also. But I'm I'm really shooting for most of the book is written, so I'm I'm I've only got a couple more chapters to write. Kathleen Martin wrote the foreword, and Denise Stoner, Brett Oldham, and Suzanne Chancellor have contributed chapters as well. Um, and then Chris Hancock, our psychotherapist, kind of wrote an epilogue part. So um, I'm hoping it's going to come out really well. They've already done their parts, and everybody's kind of waiting on me. So. But in the meantime, though, I had that epiphany of the journal, and so that's kind of been nice to put that out there in the in the interim while I'm finishing up the other one. So, yeah. Well, that's wonderful, Debbie. Well, we're so glad that you um, shared your time with us this evening, and oh, hopefully, the um, in the people that listen to the show not only tonight but over the course of the next week, because a lot of people listen to it, um, you know, in the in the archives. Um, mm-hmm. If they have similar situations, which I'm sure a lot of them do, uh, we encourage you to uh, take a look, especially at your your Facebook support groups. And if you happen to live um, in Tennessee, I mean your your um, your meetings that you take, you know, where you get get together every couple of mm-hmm. months, is that that's in Tennessee area? Yes, it's in Nashville, and uh, you know we've had people come from two hours away, and of course they again they can't come regularly, but every once in a while they'll come, and um, so that's usually once a month. Uh, sometimes like around the holidays, you know we'll skip a month here and there. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're local, we can do that. If you are not local and you would like any uh, remote sessions or some EFT, we can do the Skype EFT sessions. Uh, I've done many of those, and they, they're wonderful. So if anyone needs help with any of that, uh, or if they want to learn to journey or meditate, I do that with you over Skype as well. Well, excellent. You're offering a whole lot of support and help for Star Seeds, and um, we just applaud you for that. And thank you so oh, much you. for being with us Thank evening. you, Ariel. Thank you. you are it's such an honor. You are so welcome. And with that, um, I'm going to wrap it up. So we want to thank everyone for listening this evening. And we will be back next week. And take care of yourselves in the meantime. And remember, love yourself 
and you can love others. Okay, everyone. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.